What is going on, lovely people? Welcome back to another episode of the Editorial Podcast. I'm Nikki. And this is Chris coming at you with 0.91 Rocky Mountains between us. That is, so there's almost the entire Rocky Mountain range between us. Yes. Yes, there's about like 50, 50 kilometers difference. So we're less than the Rocky Mountains away from each other. That's nice to know. That's nice to know. You're so, so close yet so far. (laughs) So far. But I mean, think about it. We're just one mountain range away from each other. It's not so bad. We're less than a mountain range away from each other. Right. Yes. Yes. So that technically means we're pretty close. We're pretty close. Like I'd walk a thousand miles for you. (laughs) And I would walk... (laughs) A thousand more. I'm pretty sure that's not how the song goes. But that's yes. not how it goes. But it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think is that what what is it? Is it Bare Naked Ladies who sang that song? Was it that? No. Oh my God. It's they're by the by the something years. I forget. I'm googling it. Or is right it the now. Vanessa Carlton gonna... song? No. That's no. Not that's it. Thousand Miles. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I, God. I know. I by the Proclaimers. That's who oh. it is. And I'd I knew walk it was something. Five hundred thousand? No, I'd walk, walk five hundred miles, and and I'd walk five hundred more. Ah, okay. Yes. Well then, that's yes. uh, we totally got that song wrong. I know. <laughs> thinking, I was like, it's, I think it was like it's, three different songs. <laughs> I was gonna say the Lumineers, and I was like, that's not right. That's not even close to being no. right. <laughs> no, the something is the Proclaimers. Well. Oh, God, it feels good to laugh. <laughs> it does feel good to laugh in a week where us us two being Asian women. Um, yes. Have, we've gone through a lot in terms of emotions this past week. Yeah, this week, I'm just going to be upfront with you. This week sucked. This week sucked. Yeah, it this is one of those, like, I would classify as... Week. Yes, a week that sucked balls. Like it. Yeah. It, no, there's no sugarcoating it. And uh, for those who have been living under a rock um, or just haven't been paying attention to news outlets, social media, because it's everywhere, uh, maybe not as much as it should. Definitely, yeah. there should be more. But yeah. for those who don't know, uh, in Atlanta, Georgia, on March 16th, a white homegrown terrorist bought a gun and killed eight people, six of which were Asian women, um, as he rampaged through Atlanta Asian massage parlors. He was apprehended en route to Florida, potentially to carry out more acts of violence and hate. And the police officer spokesman went on camera to say that the terrorist... <laughs> Um, uh, say that the terrorist and we will know like we're not going to say his name um, because we don't want to dignify him by saying his name uh, because he has no right to be humanized um, he the, the, the 
police officer said that he was a recovering sex addict and that he was just having a really bad day, that he was at the end of his rope and he had a really bad day and this is what he did. Um, uh, like, I don't know about you, Chris, but just saying that out loud, it just like, I was choking up because I, I couldn't, I couldn't say it without being emotional. Yeah. No, that's a hundred percent true. Like this week, this week I've been dealing with a lot of emotions. It's not just, you know, IUD hormones, um, which makes right? me, you know. <laughs> a a sad bitch um and a mad bitch apparently yes all of it (laughs) all of it um but yeah it what really upset me about the whole thing with this there's a few things and we'll cover it in this podcast because we really wanted to sort of break down or i my goal for this episode because i know there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of anger and there's a lot of hate that's happening because of this and i feel like we need to all be educated about the past we need to be educated about what is currently happening and we need to we need to understand where this is coming from and i think the thing that really upset me about this was we're just we're hearing this policeman the spokesperson justify this man's act of 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 this horrific terrorist attack He's not, you know, some 21-year-old. It doesn't matter. He was a white, homegrown terrorist who killed six Asian women. He killed eight people, six of which were Asian women. I don't want to hear that it had nothing to do with race because who works at these Asian massage parlors that he frequented, that he went to? You cannot tell me that this had nothing to do with being Asian. Um, it, uh, there's a clear line that's drawn. I don't know why the news refuses to label him as a terrorist. I don't understand why the news refuses to acknowledge that, that this is definitely a hate crime because it is call it what it is. It is a hate crime. Uh, and, it's kind of ridiculous that before we even knew the names of the victims that that this terrorist was put on a pedestal and humanized um, by like white news outlets saying that oh he's a good boy though he like yeah. goes to church frequently you know and and it's not his fault he has a sex addiction and you can't and we can't say that it was targeted towards the asian community uh, if if you if you have a sex addiction and you wanted to eliminate that if that's your mm-hmm. it's if that's your argument uh why not strip clubs uh i, yeah. I don't, like why not i don't know why not walk down a really bad neighborhood and shoot up hookers on the street because it's not that it's not that he has a sex addiction and he wants to eliminate it. He went into these Asian-owned and Asian-operated massage parlors uh, with a plan to execute Asian women. And I, I, I don't know why 
I don't know why they can't admit that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, a couple of things that we're going to talk about today um, is that this is not a standalone event. This is one in uh, many escalation of events that has happened. Um, and I know this this happened in Atlanta, but that's not to say that this is an isolated incident in Canada alone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. The AAIP community, the Asian American Pacific Islander communities, has had hundreds of incidents reported across the U.S. since the onset of COVID. And we can definitely pinpoint this to the narrative that Trump has created oh, yeah? this rhetoric um, against Asian communities. But that's not to say that, you know, this exists in a vacuum, right? Canada is no better. We nope. have we have increasing numbers through organizations like EliminateHate.org um, with incidents of assault, harassment, physical violence, all of that happening against Asian Canadians. Um, yeah. It's not well, just because we don't have a white supremacist leader here doesn't mean that hate against like anti-Asian hate doesn't exist here. It does. It does. It does. I mean, looking at the stats alone, right? Over 900 reported incidents um, on EliminateHate.org and COVIDRacism.ca since the onset of COVID-19. This is all from a report funded by the government of Canada. Uh, 30% of the incidents were assault. Um, 65% of is verbal harassment. 60% of all of those incidents involve women. Um, that's a, like, just, like, just discouraging amount of women being verbally or physically assaulted. Yeah, and it's happening, the highest reported incidents are happening in public spaces, in grocery stores, and it's all aged groups. It's, it's teenagers, it's kids on the, on the playground saying this to each other. It's, it's people yelling it at the elderly. Um, it happens in grocery stores, You know, the amount of incidents we hear of go home, go back home, go back to China, go back to India, go back to go back to whatever country. It's incredibly disturbing. And the worst of it, and I think this is why I I really want to talk about it. And I thought that this we have to we have to talk about it is the highest numbers are in Vancouver and Toronto, Mm -hmm. where there is. A huge populations of Asian communities here. I mean, yeah. for Christ's sake, Toronto has two Chinatowns. Um, uh, we have a whole city that I joke is pretty much like <laughs> all of it is Chinatown. <laughs> like Christ, Richmond. The moment you land uh, at the airport at YVR, you enter like mini, like. Asia. It's all Chinese restaurants and Asian supermarkets and it's like fucking fabulous, okay? But um what's strange to me is that uh you don't get to you don't get to make fun of our culture and our race and then enjoy our food and culture. In like like you can't you can't exclude those two. Um, yeah, it's kind of like, you know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't call us, you know, Kung flu and then 
fucking go to Panda Express and order like Kung Pao chicken or something or like lemon orange chicken, whatever it is, okay? Like you can't have Chinese food uh, and enjoy like, you know, our culture's food uh, and then also make fun of us. Like how does that – how does that make sense? Yeah, and it's not to say that, you know, this is a – it's – it's not a new it's not a new thing. It's not oh, no. a new thing. It's, it's not been a new around thing. forever. It's uh, the whole idea of like propaganda against Asian communities has been around since like colonization. So uh, this is just a new version of yellow peril. Like I I was reading an article by Anita Jack Davies. Uh it's titled Coronavirus Yellow Peril Revisited and it just basically shows you that old habits die hard with North America. So back in 1885, there was a commissioner that described Vancouver's Chinatowns as like, quote, an ulcer and suggested that if it was left untreated, it would cause disease um, that would spread the whole through the whole body. There, there was newspapers that used wording relating to disease and filth, right? It's like linking COVID-19 with China just invokes these narratives and revokes these ideas that people from Asia are unclean, that we're unhealthy. And it's really frustrating because this happens in 1885. The U.S. has the Chinese exclusion tax, which basically was put into into act simply to prevent unskilled Asian laborers, including women, um, from coming into America because there was a good chance that they were going to be prostitutes. So they basically excluded the Asian population from North America until the 1940s when they were like hey you know what we need we need china's help to help uh to defeat japan so how about we like be friends with them now and it's it's this really upsetting history that we have where asian history is directly linked to rhetoric like at the end of the day this all comes down to rhetoric. It's it's how we are described in media. It's how we're portrayed to the populace. And the fact that we can have North Americans and 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 white people come up to us and and tell us to go home when they've been consistently fed this narrative of the Asian being quiet, the Asian being um, submissive, the Asian being there to pretty much help and aid the white man is really disgusting. You know what else is disgusting is that you forget our history and the cruelty that was put upon us. Um, Chinese head tax. Who who the fuck do you think built the railway? Exactly. all your goods that are being, you know, kind of trained in, okay? Uh, who the fuck do you think built that shit? And then the Japanese internment camps, like, 
that's yeah. a disgusting part of history that like we try to we learn about it in high school right we, we, we obviously we have social studies and history class and we learn about it but it never felt i don't know about you chris but it never felt like it was real it never felt like it was yeah. real because it happened quote unquote so long ago but it wasn't so long ago and throughout this entire time it never went away it it's never been went always away. here no. yes given at times it's been put on the back burner because nowadays our attention spans are so short that all we can think about and all that we can consume is just fast content right and 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 all we can all we can look at is like tiktok videos and Ugh. and youtube videos you know and i'm guilty of that right and and i can't say yeah. that i i can't say that i consciously think about being an asian woman in canada and the and just the like uh danger that i'm like a dangerous position that i'm naturally put in because i was born a female i'm born asian um, yeah these are things that i don't think you ever have to like i don't think a, a a white parent would ever have to sit their child down and lecture them on coming home safe uh like coming home before dark and and yeah. never leaving your drink alone um and just like chris told chris told me to listen to a podcast that's uh it's uh yes one that she frequently I talk listens about it. to yeah i talk a about lot. it often on on this podcast as well because i'm absolutely obsessed with the two strong amazing women um that host it it's called add to cart um with kulap balaisak and uh, suchin pak um and they recently just put out an episode this past Thursday uh, about this incident. No, it was incredibly moving and incredibly strong of them to do that and be vulnerable as they did. Um, yeah. And I think I know what you're going to say is yeah. the Suchin Pak story. That, yeah. <laughs> which is, you know, the narrative that the streets are not safe, you know? Yeah. Um. And, and that the going out at night is not safe. But what she's saying is that the streets don't kill you. <laughs> um, going out at night doesn't kill you. Uh, what kills you and harms you are men, uh, are the bad men <laughs> that are yeah. out there. Um, and I, like, I'm very, I realize how blessed and fortunate I am um, that I don't know where this kind of burst of confidence or like uh kind of self-realization came from but uh a couple years back I realized I am a strong woman and yeah I have the mentality of like I have to have the mentality of a strong woman um and be confident uh, and carry myself in, in in a particular way and I'm fortunate enough to say that I've never been in a situation where if I was in an elevator and a man walked in, that I would be scared because I, because I just always, I always just think that, you know, I'm going to be safe. But for a lot of other women in, 
in our country, in America, across the world, I'm sure, uh, people have these experiences where yeah. they're in a place, a stranger, most likely a man, would walk in and you think, okay, uh, like, where's my exit strategy? Like, where am I going to go? Like, yeah. if I if he makes a move, like, what do I do? And you plan your escape route, right? So it sucks because, and I saw the exact same thing that um, – that uh, I think Kulop was saying, sorry, or Suchin was saying on the podcast, which is like a little comic strip of like, of a man saying, oh, I don't even know how to talk to women anymore. Like, yeah, it's so hard for like, what am I, how would, how am I supposed to like, you know, talk to women in this age of like, me too. And, you know, all, all these women being like, so easily offended and feel like they're being harassed. And the response from a female was, okay, yeah, tell me about your, your, you know, hardships while I've been carrying, I've been holding my car keys in between my knuckles since I was age 10. Like, tell me more about your hardships. And I'm like, Chris, you do that. (laughs) I do. You do that. And I'm like, I don't, I'm fortunate enough to say like that nothing has happened to me, but like, I can see how this thought of constantly feeling like you're a prey will lead to just so much doubt and anxiety uh, that can cause like long-term effects for your mental health. Yeah. And I mean, Connie One uh, wrote this really awesome article for Elle magazine. Uh, It's called Ignoring the History of Anti-Asian Racism is Another Form of Violence. And she basically talks about like the women's role as being um, Asian women and what sort of their suffrage is. I can quote it directly. Uh, She writes, many conveniently uh, imagine that our communities are unscathed in a white supremacist world. They're wedded to the model minority fantasy, uh, which characterizes all Asians as economically successful and well-off. In reality, more than 12% of Asian American populations live below the federal poverty level, ranging from 6.8% of Filipino Americans to 39.4% of Burmese Americans. Additionally, according to the National Women's Law Center, some women earn 61 and 57 cents uh, for every dollar white non-Hispanic men makes. Um, And sadly, uh, these numbers do not account for Asians who work in the informal economy, including domestic labor and sex work. That that statistic was staggering. Um, and this specifically was, I think, sort of a breaking point for me because th- think about it. We we as Asian, as kids of Asian parents mm-hmm. um, and Asian immigrant parents, we were force fed this idea of like we are meant to be grateful because our parents have moved here to provide us for with a new and better life, right? Something yes. that they did not have. We are f- given this idea that, you know, we live in North America, we have education, we have healthcare, yeah. that this is better than what they left behind. Mm-hmm. I, doing so much prep for this podcast, read so many stories where parents left behind amazing jobs as data scientists, as shop owners, as business owners, where they thrive because they spoke the language and their community embraced them. And when they came here, those skills didn't transfer. And then they were stuck taking menial jobs to put food on the table 
in a country where they weren't respected and they were pushed into the background. Um, and the idea Kulap talks about the uh, the 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 model minority concept in in Attacart in that podcast episode that we were we were referencing, and the idea of like the whole concept of the model the model minority is basically I can quote this from Lena Chance why why people ga- gaslight Asian American struggles. Um, she writes, Asian, uh, Asian immigrants are portrayed as a monolith of brainy, law-abiding, good-at-math robots who hold a higher level of success than the general public. It actually downplays the inequalities that Asians actually face. Like, how many times do we have to hear the stereotype of uh, the, the doctor taxi driver, you know? The taxi driver who had a doctorate degree who was, you know, a surgeon in India, in Pakistan, and now their degrees don't transfer here and now they're driving a taxi for a living. That's a common story in Toronto. So, so fucking many that it makes me livid that, like, I have friends whose parents came from the Philippines. They were optometrists, they were pediatricians, and... They come here, their degrees don't translate. Why? Yeah. I don't, just because they they lived and were born in a different country, um, it doesn't mean that they don't know how to do the exact same job as you or even better than you, okay? Do you know how many people live in the Philippines versus here or in China versus here in America? Like the amount of patience that they see a day quadruple the amount that you see in a day and they probably have better skills than you and yet you treat them like they're like lesser than animals i don't i don't get it like there's a whole fucking movement for for animal rights and like protection of animals and yet you treat um the asian community as such and there's no and there's no like uproar or rage that's that's out there for um for the population to see and it kind of sucks it, it doesn't kind of suck it sucks it <laughs> no, sucks I, period full stop it sucks a lot yes but i think we're so ingrained to believe that if we're quiet that everything's going to be okay yeah but it's not and it's not going to be okay and it's continu- it's not going to continue to be okay until until we make fuss about it and continue to raise awareness that this is happening um yeah cuz there's the silence is deafening um there should be so many more people talking about this and using their leverage and using their platform to raise awareness about this issue that are not doing so and like the Asian aunties say, shame on you because you should be our allies. Yeah, definitely. And and it's funny that you use that you use that word quiet. Um because, you know, going back to the history of this, because again, none of this is new. If anything, it's just amplified now than it oh, ever yeah. was. Um basically when when 
the U.S. decided, hey, let's make bonds with uh, the Chinese in the 40s so we can, you know, defeat Japan, um, they started to market, for lack of a better word, the Asian minority and when, like, as immigrants when they came as basically these peace-loving, law-abiding, courteous people living quietly among us, that they were there simply in the background. They were just there. They are quiet, they are subservient, and that's all there is. Um, But parallel to that, Chris, like, but parallel to that was the start of the fetishization, fetishization of Asian women and oh a hundred percent and how we are treated like a commodity that um we are like oriental and 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 like unknown so it, we need to be conquered you know yeah and and that brings me to sort of the last thing i really want to touch on i want to sort of spend the most amount of time on um for this episode was the reasons we talked about the history. We talked about the current facts and the in the and and the situation that we're currently in. But can we just talk about how the media keeps perpetuating this cycle? Like the depictions of Asian stereotypes through modern references is just it's it's all gaslighting. You know, it's the idea of that model minority that we talked about that a little bit earlier that makes Asian women in particular sort of this quiet commodity, right? Just like you were saying, it's like. These women are subservient. These women are 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 here to serve you for your um, pleasure, <laughs> for your pleasure, which is um, disgusting. It's disgusting. <sighs> Absolutely repulsive. Can I just tell you uh, before I get into this? Uh, the worst thing I had ever ever been told in my life was that I looked exotic. The way that that word feels like vinegar in my mouth, it is bitter and vile and just, it it burns every crevice of my mouth. Pineapples are exotic. <laughs> Mangoes are exotic. Yeah. The pink pineapples that Cheese Boutique is selling for $39.99 are exotic. Uh, the... Cat poop coffee beans are exotic. Yes, the the Kopi Luwak coffee is yeah. exotic. Not a human. Not not a human. Period. That the base of that word is consumption. We talk about food being exotic. Yeah, we talk about consuming exotic food. Yep, I am not exotic. That is not ever a thing that you call a human being unless you are a cannibal and and in that sense kudos to you Hannibal Lecter yeah um a dragon fruit is exotic like something that you don't see like daily on the regular yet you're describing a human being like all these people that are all these people like that are pro-life you know like oh like the fetus is a human even before their brain synapses form uh are you are you okay with these people calling us exotic 
are you okay with that? Oh, all the, all the, all lives matter people. Um, where the fuck are you now? Okay. When black lives matter is still a thing or when it just started and, and all you white supremacist people are like, all lives matter though, not, not just black lives, all lives matter. Okay. So now that there is this huge blow up of like Asian hate going on, where are you? Why, yeah. why are you so quiet? Where are my all lives matter people? Because Nikki, because Asian and Asian Americans have been portrayed as docile and submissive and subservient for so long that we've blended into the background for so, so long. Um, and then they're often seen and we as a community, we're often seen as as a group of people who don't make noise. We don't make noise when things go wrong because we've come here and we've had our our agency taken away from us. Um, we have sort of, you know, the white male gaze placed upon us as women. You know, the idea, like, hearing Amy Schumer talk about Asian women is the most disgusting thing on the face of the planet. To have another woman say those things is disgusting. And, like, listen, I can take a joke as much as the next person can. Oh, my God, can I take a joke? I can roll with the best of them. Yeah. But that is not punching up. That is not punching up at all. You are not benefiting me by t- by saying, oh, yeah, they love Asian women because, you know, they put their hands in front of their face because, you know, they know that men are scared of their words or men don't want to hear their words. Like, what? what is that? why would you say that you know yeah but the most horrific part of that stand-up special um that chris is referring to is the part where she says i can't compete with asian women they have the tightest vaginas in the game like uh what disgusting disgusting and that's the thing right that that idea of like this fetishization of women of asian women to be specific is like these old racist tropes that are consistent right think about it think about full metal jacket what is the first scene that comes to mind that sucky sucky love love you long time exactly what what is the the first image that comes to mind when I say full metal jacket, what's the first image that comes to mind when I say rush hour? The massage par- parlor. When they open up the doors and it's just women, you know? It's a buffet. It is a feast for consumption. That is what people have reduced Asian women to. Um, and that's the birthplace of why why this this word of, of being exotic is placed on Asian women and and just des- and we're described as such because we're seen as something that we should be taste we should be tried because you know it's something unknown okay to the to the white man and it and like it's so fucking weird and like I didn't know that this was a thing because I was a child like just yeah like Chris I went to. I went to the play of Madame Butterfly and I and oh, I God. and I didn't understand. I didn't know what was yeah. going on and I didn't know that it was wrong. Uh like I didn't understand. And and, to think- and that's not to say Nikki that things aren't changing. Like you can't beat yourself up about it, right? It's like 
that was written into history that that if you're looking at it from a North American perspective, like Madame Butterfly is exactly that, right? Full Metal Jacket is exactly that. Um, that stupid scene in Rush Hour is exactly that, right? But then you have writers like Ali Wong who write for Fresh Off the Boat, right? You have Mindy Kaling who is doing the Mindy Project. You have um, Jimmy O. Yang's character in Silicon Valley. Um you're having more and more diverse representation, which is awesome. But you also have to look at the messaging, right? It's like things are changing, but slowly. There is now more Asian representation than we've ever seen on television. I mean, Jesus Christ, for Cramps Cinema, you and I did Crazy Rich Asians. Right. That was but a full it's Asian like, cast. It is, it is like, yes, we're, you're right, Chris. We're seeing more Asian representation in the media and in Hollywood blockbuster films. But but so many of those characters are so stereotypical still. Like, how still, are you still. as as a as an American, sorry, as an Asian American actor um, or actress, how are you okay to take these roles that portray our culture in a way where it's so, like, olden day like olden day mentality that that i mean you know, we all the, speak with an accent first one that comes to mind is apu from the simpsons the first one that comes to mind is that which is like, voiced by a white man uh yes <laughs> yeah i, I didn't know that terrible. until i looked it's it up so so cringy um and then i mean it goes as far back as like I'm, I know it goes further back, but the one example that comes to mind as well is is Mickey Rooney in in Breakfast at Tiffany in 1961. He plays like he's a white man, and he plays like the Chinese landlord who is super goofy and speaks with a thick accent and is almost intelligible. And this is what people saw that that is a blockbuster movie. And that's what people saw. Um, like, talk about yellow face. Yeah. Yep. And then even, and it makes me sad. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've been watching Silicon Valley. I've watched, like, yes, six seasons in, like, a week and a half. That's insane. Um, it must be a world record. It, <laughs> I will say, no, 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 no. Hold on. In my defense, they are only, like, half hour long episodes. And there's only, like. 10 episodes in a season. Okay, well, then um, I got you beat. <laughs> I got you beat with scrubs. <laughs> <You just> scrubs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Um, but what I really appreciated about Silicon Valley was you had Kumail Nanjiani's character, who his, his whole character base wasn't that he was Pakistani. Yes, it comes up, and yes, there are jokes around it, but his whole thing wasn't that he was Pakistani. However, Jimmy O. Yang's character, he plays a, a, like a like an Asian dude. He comes from China to Silicon Valley to a startup where he's trying to like start his own business. He has a thick accent. He is conniving. He is forever trying to create these knockoff versions of other uh, startups so he can sell to the Chinese. Like... Is this okay? Is this okay? I'm cringing thinking about it and describing it because I, is it funny? Sure. But is it right? I doesn't feel it. 
it doesn't feel it. I always struggle between that varied thought, Chris. It's like, okay, yes. so is it is it okay or does it make it okay if if we are making fun of our own race? Like I is it is it really reclaiming anything? Are we are we taking the power away from the white man if we make fun of ourselves the same way that they make yeah. fun of us? Uh, or is it not? Thing, like, Jenny, my pal Jenny and I, we went to see Ali Wong a few years ago uh, when she was doing her her Baby Cobra stand up set. Yeah. Um, or sorry, Hard Knock Wife. That's that was uh, what yes. it was the second one. Yes, yes, she yes. She filmed it in Toronto at the Elgin. Um, and she basically makes a joke as soon as she comes out. She goes, oh, look at all the Asian girls with all their white boyfriends. Your parents must be so proud. And <laughs> we laugh because it's funny, because it's true. I I was guilty of that because I did bring a white, white guy as a date to watch, um, the, like the third stand-up comedy special that, that, that they were having, uh, after she's already had the two kids so yes <laughs> which i mean like so i laughed extra hard because it was fucking true because i did have a white guy sitting yes. next to me and i'm like okay but but soul searching deeper here chris like what is that what does exactly. that mean are we are we trying to are we trying to like colonize the white folk um into asian oh my God. culture like is this like <laughs> Are we are we like reverse colonizationing them? Is that even the thing? Like, I don't know. I was. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> we're trying to indoctrinate them. We're trying to take them back. It's exactly. like what you took from us, we shall now claim. Back. Exactly. Exactly. It's like how does colonization feel, huh, bitch? Like, <laughs> literally. <laughs> uh, so is it? Is it? You will eat with chopsticks, and you will like it. <laughs> <laughs> you will pour tea to my parents first. <laughs> you will learn all the names of the dim sum, okay? Literally, I was going to say that. <laughs> you will learn how to eat a soup dumpling properly. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. If you eat the soup dumpling with two hands, like Adam Devine did uh, in Isn't It Romantic, I will bitch slap you. Like, literally. Yes. Like, like Ehrlich... Bachman does on that episode of of Silicon Valley to that child with a full open hand. Yeah, like complete. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna swing my 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 shoulder back so that I have full range of like just a 180 bitch slap <laughs> is is what's gonna happen. Like how I was beat? Yeah. How I was beat as a child in an Asian family. <laughs> Just as much surface area and force as possible, but for maybe not on damage. the maybe not on the face though, because like you know, no, it's got to be somewhere fleshy so you don't bruise, and also where they can cover up, you know, with clothing so it doesn't look like they're being yes. abused at home. Exactly. Um, this is how Asian parents thought, like fucking tiger parents, man, tiger parents, broomstick <laughs> to like the ass, you know, that the you got you got coat the coat, hanger, you coat hanger, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yup, yup. <laughs> yeah, man. Like. Oh, oh, God. <laughs> Just find the dumbest places to laugh. I mean, uh, it like, we have to, we have to find some 
comedic relief because all of this and i'm a very okay i'm a very emotional person and this is very funny because prior to recording this episode chris is like you've got to listen to you got to listen to add to cart because because you're you're so much like kulap and and uh, and and I'm so much like Sujin, and I'm like, oh, okay, like I'll listen to it, and then I'm like, I don't know, I don't know which one Kulop is because I don't recognize their voices because this is the very first time that I listen to them. Oh, but she's the one that says fuck a lot. Got it, got it. That's <laughs> and the one that's very emotional in this particular episode. Got it. That's that's I, me. I love those two women so much. They're they're my my honorary Asian aunties. I love them. Yeah. Anytime I comment on her stuff, I'm like, Auntie, cool up. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool because now I've been introduced to this podcast of, of you know, made up of two very strong uh, Asian American women, and I'm down. I'm down for it. And uh, thank you for introducing that um, to me and, and hopefully to a larger audience here at Editorial yeah. so that they would go and show some um, support. Yes. Go and follow them. They're absolutely wonderful human beings. Um Go follow Kulap on uh, on on Instagram and Suchin on Instagram because they're both hilarious and but they're also inspiring women. Um, and to be honest with you, we we kind of need that. They're always posting wonderful resources, um, especially right now, um, which leads us to what we're actually going to talk about for the next little bit is just some resources where you can find um, some information about what we were talking about today. Yeah. Um, yeah, we decide we're not going to answer any questions, but we will be back next week with uh, the uh, Cramps of Cinema episode where we talk about uh, She's All That. So um, a couple of really cool things that you can uh, check out uh, is Red Canary Song, uh, redcanarysong.net. We're going to post all of these in the show notes as well, so you can go ahead and check them out. Uh, they are a grassroots collective that supports Asian sex workers transnationally. Um, they started in the U.S. and now they're around the world. They collaborate with um, a lot of organizations in Toronto as well. Um, so check them out. Uh, you can donate. They have a lot of awesome resources as well. You can sort of see the work that they're doing. Um, the National Asian Pacific American Women's Forum, uh, which is another grassroots organization that empowers Asian women to find their autonomy. Uh, you can find them at napawf.org. Um, stopaapihate.org. Uh, that is the AAPI tip line in the U.S., but you can also find a lot more information about resources as well as the AAPI incidents that are happening across the U.S., those numbers are increasing. It is terrible. Um, keep on top of it. Frightening. It is frightening. Like, it is exponentially higher since COVID nineteen started, and we need to talk about it more. Exactly. Yeah. And then we have the Canadian version. Um, you can find it at COVIDRacism.ca. Uh, and eliminate so e l i m i n number eight hate uh, dot org uh, which is an aapi tip line in Canada. Um, you could also find a lot more information and resources on aapi incidents happening across Canada. 
Um, and then the last two, there is goldhouse.org. They're a wonderful nonprofit that seeks to amplify and unify Asian voices and fight for equal representation. Um, they are out of the U.S. And then we have a Canadian version, uh, which is project1907.org. Very similar. Um, and uh, they seek to unify and amplify Asian experience and representation in Canada. Um, you can donate to all these organizations. You can read up on uh, the stuff that they've got going on. I have a ton of articles that I've been reading. We will post links to um, some really cool ones. I'll just plug quickly. There was a Connie One's article in L magazine, which is amazing and you should listen. It's uh, anti-Asian racism, history and violence. There is uh, Why People Gaslight Asian American Struggles. Uh, it's a Neck Shark article. And then there's a really cool New York Times article about uh, Asian representation in media. Uh, we'll post all of those so you will be able to read and learn and discuss. The last thing I think I just wanted to leave you guys with is this, as you heard from Nikki, Nikki is one of the strongest don't fuck with me women on the face of the planet. <laughs> she is the definition of a hard ass and a badass and a bad bitch and a mad bitch. And very rarely <laughs> is she a sad bitch. Um, yeah. yeah. I'm sad Very bitch rarely. <laughs> but even someone who's super strong like Nikki, and and I will go as far as to say strong like me, um, yep. we, we, we feel it. We, we are feeling it. And things are not okay and it's allowed you're allowed to not be okay but as allies it's it's up to you just to check on your friends check on check on your sisters check on your on your on every sort of asian comrade that you have um your peers your co-workers um all of the asian women in your life um Right now, we're hurting, and it sucks, and everything is really terrible right now. Um, but we need to talk about it, and we need to check on each other, um, and we need to support each other. So reach out to each other. And and this isn't – this was a really terrible, horrific way to start to amplify this conversation, but it's starting to happen, and we need to keep it going. Um so use these resources, share them, have these conversations, have these tough conversations with your family and your friends because uh, we need to. We need to do it. Let me just paint the picture for you, okay? Um, my eyes are so swollen from crying about this that, like, it it looks like I got, like, domestically abused because oh I got, God, like – stop. I, I got like, you know, a rash under my eye and like it's kind of swollen and like it's not cute. It's just really not cute. Um, I've killed pretty much like half the planet's, uh, you know, tissue paper supply. Um, oh, my Lord. So <laughs> I'm a treat hugger and that kills me. Um, and uh, also just like, you know, that one Asian friend that you have? Yeah, that one. Um, that could have been their mom that could have been yeah yeah excuse me that could have been my mom and um the old lady that got assaulted in san francisco chinatown that could have been my that could have been my grandmother 
that could have been your grandmother um yeah and what's really upsetting is that this terrorist was peacefully arrested after his massacre uh, yeah. Uh, yeah and and not hurt right he was again peacefully arrested but yet if he had not been white if he had not been wonderbed white uh he would have been he would have been shot he would have been shot at the scene he would have been um what do they call it like uh neutralized they would have neutralized the threat they would have shot up yeah. the place probably killing innocent civilians just so that they could neutralize him if yeah. he was not white yeah but he was peacefully yeah. handcuffed and 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 brought into custody and then you have the entire white community or the white police force taking his side taking his back on it saying that it's not um it's not uh race motivated it is not a hate crime call it what it is and um it is it is not okay and for those who aren't saying anything should speak up to those who ask okay what can we do right chris like what can we do yeah exactly uh, to show that we are allies and and uh what can we do to to kind of make this so that more people are aware and for those who give me the stupid argument that oh yeah not not all white men are bad right let me just let me just leave you this analogy uh when you see a swarm of mosquitoes do you run for your life if you say no then you're a sadist because you probably like getting hurt and like no judgment but still like <laughs> oh my god you're a little fucked up but <laughs> a normal person would run away from a swarm of mosquitoes because like you don't know which one's gonna bite you you don't know they're all mosquitoes so to you it doesn't uh, you don't know and your instinct would be just to run away right uh, I'm not going to stand there and be like, oh, yeah, okay, this one looks like a nice mosquito. This one doesn't look like it's going to hurt me. Like, I'm just going to stay here and, like, say hi. Uh, no, we fucking run, okay? So, like, I understand it's not all men. But I understand it's not all men. But if you could just take a step into our shoes, okay? <clears throat> Uh, it is, it is what it is. We are terrified of you. And if the females in your life are not talking to you about this, then that means they don't feel safe enough to talk to you about this, which means then you are part of the problem. Um, it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not something that you, you, you feel bad about. You have to kind of put that aside and say, why is it that 
none of my female friends are talking to me about this. It's because maybe it's because I'm part of the mm-hmm. problem. So like don't internalize it, but in, instead like take take action and and go and talk to your your female friends, especially your your Asian female friends and ask them if they're okay. Ask them, you know, um what can you do to show your support and to those who think that it's not happening around them uh it's like it's happening it's it's here it's so real and it's not going anywhere okay like let's i mean like i know chris you want to try to end on like a a happy hopeful note um and like i i i know that this isn't forever I, I hope that eventually this would be uh, a place where we would feel comfortable to raise our children. Um, and I know that, you know, our generation will have yeah. a lot more information and will teach our kids, like, how not to be Trump supporters. I don't know if that's like, oh, like, <laughs> like, like we're going to look back at this time uh, in the future. We're going to look back at this era and, and I don't know about you, but I'm just thinking like, do you man, the, the, the mega, you know, the Trump supporters are, are pretty much Nazis. Okay, so um, so we're gonna look back at this and we're gonna be like, okay, so like that was not okay. Um, <laughs> this is like social studies class where we talk about things that are yeah you know, part of our history so that it doesn't repeat itself again. And um, you know, let's talk about it. And and I I hope that in the future, sorry, I am hopeful that in the future, uh, we will have hopefully eliminated racism like the 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 bigger picture the overarching umbrella is yeah racism so and i mean until that happens the best that we can do is just we we have to band together this isn't you know one allyship against another like you know black lives still matter um asian lives matter all of these all of these people matter um and it's it feels a lot like us against white supremacy and that's always sort of what it's been it's been us against the patriarchy um but we can't forget our whole asian community right like this is happening to our grandmas and our grandpas this is happening to everybody right the fact that you have to hear suchin pak explain that she has to tell her parents not to go for their afternoon walk um because she's afraid that something's going to happen to them is terrifying so let's be allies for each other and let's just take care of each other and let's just check in with each other um and if you see something's happening don't be afraid to speak up and say something about it um and Educate the people around you, right? If you find yourself having to have these hard conversations with people, maybe there's a reason why you had to have them. Um, 
we'll be posting a bunch of these resources so you can read and educate. And Nikki and I are going to be reading and we're going to be unlearning a lot of things and relearning a lot of things that we're going to be carrying a lot of pride and a lot of hope with us. Um, and that's, that's what it is. And I just want to leave you with one final note. Um, you are also a bad bitch, Chris. Yes. You, you Thank don't, you. Oh. you don't, you don't show <laughs> your emotions the way that I do, <laughs> but you're also a bad bitch. Um, and Thank so you. are all the females out there. Um, I just want to say that, uh, don't be afraid to speak up because the worst thing, in my opinion, is regretting what you could have said or could have done uh, in a situation and then reliving that exact moment later on, like in bed, right before you're, you're about to sleep, you're like, oh shit, I should have said something or like, oh shit, I like, I should have done something. Um, if you hear racism being spat out, if you if you hear stuff being thrown out there um to to even like maybe an asian elderly that doesn't understand english um raise your hand say something uh maybe not bitch slap them the way that your parents like beat the shit out of you when you were younger but like (laughs) you could be charged with assault um but say something like bitch slap them with your words you know like (laughs) try to try to educate these ignorant people uh that that don't know um what they're saying is very hurtful acknowledge that they are being racist call them out on their shit and don't be afraid to stand up because we're not the docile silent blend in you know trying not to trying not to be seen and only just trying to exist silently in the background. We're here. We've been here. And we're not going anywhere. So speak up and be proud to say that you're Asian. Make your parents proud and make your grandparents proud. We like, yeah. especially for me and Chris, we are children of immigrant families and yeah exactly so are so many other kids um in canada so let's all stick together okay yeah exactly well um thank you guys for coming on this journey with us it was a rough ride um so rough (laughs) so rough but it had to be done Um, I think we just, we really needed to get this off our chests. Um, And we hope that you guys got something out of this. Um, And we hope you guys will continue to to educate yourselves and educate the people around you Um, and love each other. Uh, Because, you know, in a dumb Sesame Street kind of way, if we love each other enough, um, we can really help each other along the way. Um, and with that, we will see you next week with uh, the Cramps and Cinema episode that was supposed to come out this week. Um, watch some really terrible, uh, not very diverse 1999 rom-com heartthrob Freddie Prince Jr. nonsense with She's All That. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Yep. And we'll see you in the next 
stay real. Stay real.